You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Howard 86-77 to in a game that, coming into it, you certainly hope is going to be better than a nine-point victory. Certainly the last thing that you want to hear toward the end of a game against the worst team on your schedule in your own house is it looks like Indiana is going to escape. Uh, but that certainly uh, is what happened tonight, as again, the Hoosiers win by nine over Howard. And we're going to break it all down for you here on this episode of the Assembly Call. The bottom line, of course, is that it goes in the books as a W, the first W of the Archie Miller era. Although, as we will <laughs> discuss in this episode, I don't think he's going to enjoy watching the film too much, especially the defense uh, in the second half. But before we get to all of that, Let's start out tonight's episode as we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And for tonight's Banner Moment, I want to take you back to the first half because, you know, again, this is this is a game early on where I thought Indiana actually played a little bit better than the score indicated. The Hoosiers just really had trouble capitalizing on offensive opportunities, missing free throws, unable to take advantage of shots, uh, despite the defense, I thought, being pretty good. And so Indiana was only up by four points late in the half. And then I thought Al Durham had a really, really nice sequence that propelled Indiana into the lead that they would then basically nurse for the rest of the game. So in one possession, he forced a travel with what I thought was a really heads-up defensive play in transition because instead of just hanging back, he came and met the guy who caught a, a pass uh, from uh, a Howard guy who caught a pass and kind of bodied him up, and the guy turned and traveled because of that. And so it was just it was a good awareness, a good effort play. This led directly to points as Justin Smith was able to score on the next play. And then the next time down, Al drained a three-pointer. It was his third of the half, stroked it really confidently, that put Indiana up nine, and it was a really important five-point swing there in the first half to give Indiana control, put a little bit of cushion between the Hoosiers and Howard, and look, you know, as the second half went along, even though Indiana got off to a good start, the final margin was nine points, and so that little swing right there basically gave Indiana the lead again that they would nurse for the rest of the game, and I thought it was really indicative of the kind of heads-up play on both ends uh, that Al had in the first half. His second half wasn't nearly as good as his first half, um, but that sequence in particular I thought was really impressive from him. All right, and our banner moment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based T-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers, and why should you check out their website, HoosierProud.com? I will give you three good reasons. Number one, they have awesome designs. So, in addition to the new officially licensed Indiana apparel they have, which you should, of course, check out, and the Assembly Call t-shirts, which they sell at HoosierProud.com, they have a ton of really unique, interesting Indiana-inspired designs. And so you should go to HoosierProud.com, check those out. Number two, Hoosier Proud is very focused on philanthropy, and they support a number of Indiana-based charities with revenue from their t-shirt sales. You can go to the website and check out the charities that they support. 
and of course their generosity. Uh, because you're a listener of the assembly call, you actually get 15% off your entire order at Hoosier Proud. Just go to HoosierProud.com, use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you will get 15% off, not just assembly call shirts, not just one shirt, but your entire order, a really, really generous discount. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. All righty. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which tonight is uh, its just a two-man show for you tonight, as Ryan cannot make it. But Andy is here, and it's time for his bottoms line, brought to us by IUtickets.shop, the URL to use when you want the best prices on IU basketball tickets. Mr. Bottoms, your bottoms line. Well, I think uh, while we don't know the severity of the injury at this point, I think one of the big storylines to come out of tonight is the early injury to Juwan Morgan, who had his foot and ankle ice for the better part of the game only played about five minutes and uh his departure as well as the existing injury to colin hartman it really opens the door for justin smith and and tonight he kind of crashed through the door uh 16 points 12 rebounds uh just played really i mean really really well um was was active um seemed to really have a good idea of where to be when howard was playing zone and he got a lot of his points just by you know being smart, playing in the right spot, and uh, and being active, and so I think um, that's certainly a, a great sign for his, uh, you know, his IU career as it just gets rolling. But um, a good sign for IU as well, who may be without, um, you know, two of the veteran guys they have in the front court. And I know Smith was one of the guys that uh, at some point in the offseason we talked about who would be important in it. And I think I brought him up because there really just isn't if Juwan Morgan got hurt and if Hartman got hurt, there just really aren't other guys to be able to kind of play that role. And, and, um, you know, Smith for tonight was, was really good. Obviously we can talk about the competition and those kinds of things, but for a guy, uh, in his second, second college game to go out and get a double double and, and play as well as he did, uh, I think is a, is a positive thing. And, and quite honestly, if you look at the roster as a whole, um, by a pretty wide margin, the guys who played the best tonight were two freshmen and a sophomore, um, so I think that makes you feel good for the future and probably a little bit concerned for the present, um, because I think there are uh, a lot of question marks as I'm sure we'll get into the more we go through this game, man, I just feel so bad for Jawan. I mean, I hope that, I mean, obviously we all hope that the injury isn't terribly severe, that it doesn't keep him out too long. My initial fear was, you know, my goodness, if something happened to his knee, um, I guess I felt even a little bit relieved that he was putting ice on the ankle. Um, just because it seems to maybe rule out a worst case scenario, but it's just, it's awful seeing that guy get injured so often. And that, that's why, you know, we, we kind of joke about it, but I mean, you know, every time he goes down, you just kind of hold your breath until he gets up. And unfortunately this time he got up and he's limping and, uh, you know, look, I mean, it's going to be obviously a huge blow to Indiana season if he misses, you know, any, any time, but especially given the opponent coming up next Seton hall, uh, with what they have down low with angel Delgado. Um, losing Juwan Morgan, especially if Colin Hartman's not back, which we don't expect that he will be. Man, that's going to be tough to overcome. Yeah, definitely will be. So, you know, maybe the first thing that, that, that we should talk about real quick, Andy, is just this this Howard team. Um, you know, they are the worst team on Indiana's schedule. Um, is there any silver lining that they, like, played George Washington close recently? Like, are they maybe better than we thought? Um, or is there really no way to sugarcoat that and beating this team by nine, even with the fact that we missed a lot of free throws and all that stuff is a result that should be concerning. Yeah. I mean, they, they lost by nine at George Washington. So, you know, you're, you're playing the same margin there. I, I think it's pretty hard to, uh, you know, pretty hard to sugarcoat it at this point. I, I think that, uh, what they did make some, 
uh, low percentage shots, I guess maybe is the best way to say it at times. But, you know, the reality is, I mean, particularly in the second half, I mean, IU was unable to build upon the lead. And and like you said, there was definitely that, you know, sluggish start component, but they felt like really they had started to, um, you know, seize control. We're up by 10 at the break. And it felt like an opportunity to come out and really be able to expand on that lead. Uh, and build on it and while the game never really felt like it was in doubt they also never really uh put it away either i mean i, I don't know what the biggest lead was maybe 16 17 um, yeah, indiana led 49 okay. 32 at the under 16 minute timeout and if you go back to the last four minutes of the first half it was a 24 to 9 run uh you know which kind of started with that al Durham sequence that i mentioned earlier and and you know it really felt like indiana was just kind of going to blow the doors open and okay indiana win this game by 40 like you expect them to but, you know, they just Howard just kept making shots, some of them very tough and, and contested shots, obviously. But also, I thought, and I don't know how you felt about it. Like, again, I thought Indiana really came out at the beginning of the game with purpose, defending well, you know, containing dribblers. And it just kind of steadily got worse. And I thought that's why Howard was able to come back, because it's almost like, you know, Indiana got up by 17 and then kind of relaxed and they weren't getting up on guys. They were letting Howard dribblers go wherever they wanted to really weren't rebounding very well. I mean, there were so many defensive rebound opportunities where the ball just bounced and a Howard guy got it. Um, and so I, I really think in particular, Archie is going to really be frustrated watching the second half because I mean, almost all of the guys on the perimeter were just letting Howard's guards go wherever they wanted to. I mean, Devonte green, I noted a couple times was just, I mean, not putting up much resistance on defense. Josh Newkirk was letting his man get right by him. And that, to me, was really concerning um, because that, you know, you, again, you, you know, you try and make some judgments from what you see in the exhibition games. And that is clearly is seeming, you know, kind of foolish. But I mean, you know, you thought, OK, our ability to kind of get out there, pressure ball handlers, that's going to be a strength of this defense. And it is for little spurts, but we really don't know how to do it for 40 minutes right now. Yeah, I mean, Newkirk, there were a couple in the in the second half where I, I can't even begin to understand what his approach was was defensively. But I think um, I, I'll even take some offensive stuff at the beginning of the game. I mean, you're right. They came out with a real sense of purpose. We're very active. Uh, the ball movement, the first couple of possessions was different than what we saw for the majority of the rest of the game. And it, it was it was like, well, I'm going to go out and prove a point. And then and then I like you said, I, it was gradual in some ways. But in some ways, it was almost by the time you get to the, the you know, after the first time out. It, it died off. And then I think in the second half, really, uh, really died off. I mean, the rebounding is a concern. Uh, as you think about the Seton Hall game, Delgado is a fantastic rebounder. Um, just didn't really seem to go after anything on that end of the floor with the, with a huge sense of purpose. And, um, you know, I, Howard score had to score. I mean, I think they scored, they scored close to 50 points, maybe 50 points in the second half. Jeez. Uh, I want to say, uh, I could be, I could be wrong about that. Nope. That's right. 50. Exactly. I mean, that, that to me is, that's insane. is pretty unacceptable. And they took, I mean, they took half their shots from three and they made eight of them, but they got to the line 14 times, gave up 10 offensive rebounds in the second half. Uh, and, and that's, you know, it'd be one thing if you came out in the first game and played really well, start to finish. But, um, it, th- this felt like, well, I checked the box. I came out and did a few things that we talked about, but I, I just, uh, I don't know. It was that that was probably what frustrated me the most was the inability to pull away, which was really born out of kind of indifference defensively and on the glass and uh, a complete inability to make free throws. Yeah. 
I mean, the free throw shooting, 12 of 29. That For a while there... Is that I good? That out, no, good? No, it's not good. For a while they there, made... I tweeted out, Indiana shooting worse from the free throw line than Josh Newkirk shot from three-point range last year. Uh, and look, Josh Newkirk wasn't yeah. terrible from three-point range last year, but when you're comparing those two numbers, uh, that's really bad. Well, and they made the last five free throws, as we talked about before we got started. So at one point, they were 7 of 24 uh, from the free throw line, which oh, is my. just... I mean... That's tough to do. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. All right. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's nine-point win over Howard. Uh, let's talk about Robert Johnson a little bit, Andy. And we're going to get to Deron Davis because I thought Deron did a lot of really nice things uh, in the second half and, frankly, in the first half. I mean, it was it was a pretty good game for Deron. Um, but yeah, I- let's just save the talk about Deron, Al Durham, and... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and any additional Justin Smith topics till the end, so we feel we feel good about it. It's kind of like I need something to daughter, look forward to. Yeah. yeah, I don't let my daughter leave practice without making a shot. So you, this is the same. We have to save those for the end. Yeah. So so let's talk about Robert Johnson, who I thought had a very poor first half. I mean, I you know I looked up in the first half. I think he had played 13, 14 minutes. Had only taken one shot. Just looked really tentative and really looked like he was overpassing in situations where a shot would have been the right choice. And I don't think this is the case, but you know, at one point I even thought like, is he just like passing it and not shooting it to make some sort of weird point? Like, again, I don't don't think that's the case, but again, those are some of the, the shots I thought he was passing up. And I will say, you know, to his credit, I thought he rebounded and played better in the second half. And he finished with a decent uh, stat line, 14 points, four assists, four rebounds. Uh, He made, you know, a couple of big threes there toward the end, which kept Howard at arm's length. So, you know, look, I I didn't think his defense was particularly great either, but, you know, you saw him make a couple shots, you know, you saw him kind of get going a little bit offensively. And even though it wasn't a great performance, that was at least nice to see. I I mean, I thought in the, in the first half, I mean, he looked like a guy who had no confidence whatsoever and just simply didn't want to shoot. Uh, and I think even when you saw him take shots and even make shots in the second half, I mean, the one three-pointer that he he made on the wing that might have been the first three that he hit, I mean, he didn't catch it cleanly. Yeah. And even then, like, really hesitated. And, and even I think the second one that he made uh, in the second half was kind of the same way, just a really slow release and kind of slow getting into the shot, like just looking for a reason not to shoot it. Um, and he ended up making nothing like, like 2015, Robert Johnson, that would just catch and shoot. I mean, and you just knew it was money. Well, I mean, same thing. I mean, missed, you know, missed those free throws on the, on the technical, uh, in the first half, you know, he's one of, you know, shot four straight free throws and was one out of four and missed them dreadfully short, which is always a sign of no confidence. Yeah. And he just, it just seemed like a guy who didn't have a lot of confidence. Now on the flip side of that is he made a couple, uh, a couple of plays going to the basket in the second half where he seemed completely comfortable on some, you know, like a runner uh, that he made late and, and just kind of some driving layups. Maybe that's what he needs to do to get going. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, to me, he, he just looked like a guy whose confidence is shaken, which is, you know, we talked about it after even, even some of the exhibitions and whatever that he wasn't really shooting the ball very well, didn't necessarily shoot the ball. Well, even in the Hoosier hysteria scrimmage that we watched and our sample size of how he's been shooting is obviously pretty small compared to, uh, you know, the coaching staff and some of those kinds of things. But I think we had all expressed at least some level of concern about that. And I think, um, you know, he certainly seems to to seem to lack confidence. So maybe he uh, is able to, uh, you know, to 
to to build a little bit on that from making a couple threes in the second half. But um, I kind of said the same thing about when we made the layup in the in the first half. Like, you know, sometimes maybe that's what gets him going. And then not long after that, that's when he went one of four from the line. So, um, it, yeah, I'm I, definitely a concern uh, as you look forward to him, you know, with him, because, you know, as we've talked about, he has to be a guy who plays confidently, um, you know, does the right things, makes big shots is willing to take big shots. And I think, you know, we talked about who's going to have their ball in the hands at the end of the game. I think he seemed to be the de facto answer early on. But right now, uh, I'm not sure that even he looks like he wants to do that, let alone what what fans think he should or shouldn't be doing. No, I mean, that's the irony of that Stephen Bardo graphic that that went up there in the second half talking about the Big Ten's best lead guards. And, I mean, I I think it, it just goes to show you, I mean, number one, you know, don't don't take Stephen Bardo seriously. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, if you've that's watched, always the, that's always the big takeaway. I know, I know. But you know, the thing is, like, if you've watched Robert, and you know, look, he doesn't have bigger fans than than you and me. I mean, but he's just a guy who hasn't seemed comfortable in that lead role. I mean, really thrived, obviously, two years ago when he was, you know, a lot of times a third or fourth or fifth option, and and didn't get a lot of attention. But even last year, as guys started to get hurt, and he started to move up the pecking order. It's almost like he kind of saw the pressure get to him a little bit, and he pressed a little bit, and he doesn't quite know when to put his foot on the gas and take it off. And I think a lot of, you know, those of us who were much higher on this team coming into the season than the experts, a lot of that was predicated on Robert really taking that next step and embracing that role and being able to be a 15, 16-point scorer. And again, he scored 14 tonight, so the numbers at the end of the game were there. But... I agree with you that kind of the eye test maybe didn't even necessarily match the numbers and even a couple of the shots he made, you know, you kind of you kind of cringed a little bit when when he released it. And so, you know, as we look at early season storylines that really need to reverse themselves for this team to come anywhere close to to matching some of the potential that certainly that I thought that they had, um, you know, he, he's got to get going. So hopefully something there in the second half, you know, sometimes when you're a shooter and you just see a couple go down, that kind of gives you confidence. Um, and, and hopefully that can happen because obviously he's going to have to play big at Seton Hall and Indiana's other big time games for them to have a chance. Um, and the early season returns haven't haven't been particularly good. All righty. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, as we keep breaking down Indiana's victory over Howard, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And then we will go inside the numbers as well. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 86-77 to victory over Howard. 
And it is now time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, which is delivered by iustore.shop, the URL to use when you need to shop for IU gear. Uh, and Andy, this is the point in the show when I want to talk about Deron Davis, because the story of the second half was basically that, you know, as it, it when it became clear that Howard wasn't going to go away and Indiana wasn't really going to be able to push their lead up past 10, 11, 12 points. Every time there was kind of a tense moment, Indiana went inside to Deron Davis. And seemingly every time they went inside to Deron Davis, something good happened. Either Deron bullied his way to the basket and got a bucket, or he found someone open for a good look, a couple of which were made, Robert Johnson's uh, three-pointer being one of them. But there was one moment in particular that I thought was huge for a couple of reasons. And it came at a point in the game when it was 63-52, so that 17-point lead had dwindled down. Howard had slowly chipped away, and you kind of felt like Indiana needed to get something good going offensively just to kind of stem that tide a little bit. And so Indiana goes into Duran in the post, and, I mean, Howard just collapsed on him, as they did for most of the second half. He was triple-teamed, and Duran was really patient didn't you know didn't rush and drove through the triple team and scored to give Indiana a 13 point lead and look Howard does not possess you know an Isaac Haas or an Angel Delgado or anybody who you know you're going to write home about as a post player or as a post defender and so it's a game that Deron Davis should dominate and so the fact that he did especially in the second half and finished with 17 points to lead the team was an efficient 7 for 9 and it should have been a 20 point game but he was 3 for 10 from the free throw line the fact that he was able to do all of those in a game when he should do that I thought was really important and I thought that moment in particular was important not just for the flow of the game but also you know kind of a, a, important in terms of Duran's growth in terms of his confidence in, in staring down a triple team and taking it anyway in a big moment um, and then obviously some of the subsequent possessions where it's not like he got overconfident and and had to force the issue. You know, when the passes were there to be made, he was patient and made those too. So I think we continue to see growth from Duran. Uh, and I thought that moment in particular was uh, was a very important one. Yeah, I mean, he I, I it, it, one of those things where you see him playing really well and then you look at the box score and he had 15 points in the second half, which was um, when you step back and think about it, it makes total sense, but um, didn't really realize it was that much. and when you know, there was a huge difference when he went off the floor uh, in that stretch. And it doesn't say that Freddie McSwain didn't play well when he came in for him. Uh, but but there was definitely a huge drop off. And, and so much of the offense that they were able to get was facilitated by Duran attracting so much attention and either scoring in spite of it or uh, or finding other guys, as you said. So I thought he, uh, you know, kind of everything was on display, blocked three shots in the second half, had a, had a couple assists, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, and didn't uh, didn't foul at all in the second half in 16 minutes. I'll, I'll have to look at the whole game, but um, you know I think those are positive things for him. And you know again, uh, as we continue to try to figure out what this team you know is or or is or is not going to be, um, you know he will assuredly be at the core of that. So you know to know that he uh, is able to step in and give performances like that. I mean he's got to be the anchor at this point, and he certainly was tonight. Yeah, you know, and I thought another moment that, that I was going to mention, and this will allow us to talk a little bit more about Justin Smith, was early in the first half. You know, again, Indiana was really struggling offensively. Devontae Green scored the team's first seven points. And and really, you know, I thought that was important offensive leadership from Devontae. Someone needed to step up, and he did it. Um, but then, you know, Indiana kind of went cold, you know, missed their first six free throws of the game. And then there was a nice little sequence where Justin Smith scored four straight points. And that actually began a run 
uh, of 12 straight points by the freshman because Al Durham followed it up with two threes and a really nice coast-to-coast drive to the bucket. Uh, but I thought that the the two scores by Justin Smith in particular were were really impressive because, you know, he's a freshman, you know, playing against a zone. And I thought he really did a nice job of finding the open spots in the zone. Uh, on the first of the two buckets, you know, he got the ball at the elbow and didn't hesitate, drove it right in. It was a really nice find by Al Durham, and he was able to score. Uh, and then, you know, Justin also really worked the short corner well um, and was able to, you know, to find that hole in the zone and then go score. And so I thought that was important, too, because, again, it was a point in time where, I mean, it, offense just looked so hard for Indiana early in the game. And that's why I thought Indiana early was playing a lot better than the score indicated. And so it was really, you know, because Devontae was able to step up and make some shots and because Justin Smith and Al Durham, you know, played beyond their years there in the first half, that was the only reason Indiana was able to uh, to get that lead. But I thought that was a, a really nice sequence from Justin. And as you mentioned, you know, overall 16 points, 12 rebounds, a couple of blocks. He was a revelation tonight for Indiana. And if he doesn't step in with that kind of poise and that ability with Juwan Morgan out, you know, I mean, look, you don't go into a game expecting Justin Smith to get 16 points, 12 boards. You might think he'll get seven or eight. And if he only does that, you, know, you take nine points off the board. It's only a nine point victory over Howard. So those are really important points. And those in particular came at a really important time. Well, I think he yeah, and some of the uh, postgame comments are coming out now. And, and Archie talked about his uh, his IQ uh, for a guy that young. And and I, that definitely showed in the zone offense component, as you mentioned, and, and even as I uh, had brought up earlier, I think he just knew exactly where he needed to be, made good decisions, didn't panic, um, you know, to just turn and immediately fire the ball right back out or turn and fire it, you know, down inside to somebody really seemed to take the time to kind of survey what was going on and uh, where he could make plays for himself. He did and where he could, you know, kind of kick it back out and uh, and make plays for others. He did that as well. So I thought he was, uh, you know, just played a really smart game. And uh, again, it sounds like you know, Archie was, you know, noncommittal about, uh, uh, about Juwan being able to play on Wednesday. I think that seems pretty unlikely in a, in a relatively quick turnaround. Uh, I'm not sure there's a ton of benefit to, uh, you know, really rushing him back. So, uh, I, I have to assume that they'll be without both he and Colin Hartman, which means Smith is, uh, probably likely to draw the start and, and will certainly be a whole new level of challenge for him. But he certainly showed tonight that he was, uh, up to the task and, and again, did, did so many things well. Uh, and and was another guy that things started to go poorly. It was like, all right, he needs to get back in the game, and that's uh, you know pretty high price for a freshman, I'd say. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Al Durham too, the other freshman. Obviously, you know, I spoke about him and his final line of sixteen points, three assists, and three boards uh, was really solid. Also impressive that he only had one turnover. I was a little disappointed in him in the second half, only in that I thought his defense lapsed a little bit. And look, he's a freshman playing thirty minutes. He was actually second on the team in minutes. Um, you know, but I also thought there were some opportunities for rebounds and he just, you know, kind of stood there and, and didn't really attack a few rebounds like he should have. And that led to some, some second chance points, um, for Howard, but overall for a freshman to come in like he did. And again, provide a lot of offensive leadership in the first half when Indiana needed a spark, you know, the more you see him play, the more you realize why Archie is high on him, you know, and Archie called him a very efficient offensive player and obviously a good defensive player. And you can see it. And look, you know, how is Al going to hold up in a road game against Seton Hall? You know, how is he going to do, you know, against a, a team with with athletes and, and players like Duke and against experienced guys in the Big Ten? That remains to be seen. But it was really nice to see him come out and flash some of the ability that we've been hearing about tonight. 
Um, and, and again, you know, without it, where would Indiana have been in the first half? He really made a lot of big plays. Yeah, I mean, 11 points for him in the first half, and they were all huge. I mean, as you said, the offense was uh, just flat out ugly, even though they were getting fouled a lot. Uh, you know, obviously that wasn't paying any dividends whatsoever, given the way they were shooting free throws. And so um, I, I think, you know, he really came in. Apparently his his spot for shooting threes is the uh, is the corner. He he hit a couple from there over the course of the game and uh, shot looked a little bit a little bit more smooth um tonight but did you know still i don't think that's going to be a great part of his game but he can really really attack the basket and um and you know he finished around the rim i think with both hands and uh at different yeah. parts of the game and so i think that's good because that was one of the things you know we harped on a ton last year about guys being able to finish at the rim and particularly uh the younger guys and i think he he you know performed well in that area and i think he can do uh, a lot of things well and and quite honestly, if we continue to see performances from some of the some of the guards as we did, I mean, the opportunity is there for a guy like him to really step in. And it sounds like he's played really well in practice and uh, that's earned him time in the game. And there's certainly nothing he's done in these last two games that suggests he should be playing any less than he already is. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 86-77 to victory over Howard. Andy, it is time to go inside the numbers, and you know, especially early in the season, the two big numbers that we're obviously going to be keeping our eye on just as we look to contrast them with what we've seen in recent past from Indiana is the defensive efficiency and the turnover numbers. Uh, for the turnover number tonight, uh, according to the stats I'm looking at, Indiana's turnover percentage was 16.5%, uh, which is, you know, obviously not bad, you know, 12 total turnovers. Uh, and, and you know, there were some, you know, some bad passes, but not too many of just the awful, awful um, numbers. I do remember a few bad shots, uh, you know, some poor shot selection that you could, I guess, count as a turnover as well. Um, but all in all, that number is, is certainly acceptable. Uh, but giving up 1.03 points per possession to a team like Howard, not good. Uh, as you mentioned, 50 points in the second half. Uh, you know, and look, as Archie said in in his post game press conference against Indiana State, you know, you're just not going to give up 90 points at home to a team like Indiana State if you're really digging in and playing hard and playing tough the whole night. And I think. The same thing can be said tonight. I thought Indiana played a lot tougher in the first half, didn't in the second half, and that shows itself in those numbers. Yes, that number is inflated by Howard hitting some ridiculous threes, um, but at the same time, it's also inflated because of you know some offensive rebounding opportunities that they created for themselves, uh, some drives to the bucket that got Indiana, you know, their their defensive rotations all kinds of out of whack and made a few of those three pointers that they made open looks. So. I, I grant you that Indiana State and Howard made a lot of tough contested threes uh, that we probably won't see. <laughs> you know, the law of averages will probably start to work in our favor on those. But still, I sure hope so. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> hopefully um, or it's going to be a really long season. Uh, but still, you know, that that defensive number is concerning, um, not like long term concerning, because I think we all expected that this was going to be a process and these are guys that have some bad defensive habits and that's not all going to change overnight. But just looking in the immediate term with Seton Hall coming up, it's extremely concerning. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is. The rebounding is another concern. Again, going into, you know, a, a guy like Angel Delgado, who's one of the best rebounders in the country. They give up 14 offensive rebounds, uh, only out-rebounded uh, them by, uh, only out-rebounded Howard by four. Not that rebound margin is is certainly everything, but you know, up fourteen offensive rebounds is 
is is troubling. I think not necessarily just the raw number, but it was more uh, of what you said and just the kind of lack of persistence in really going after them. Um, you know, the numbers can kind of shake out however they shake out. But I think just, again, kind of using the eye test to um, to look at how you felt about that. I don't think anybody could feel uh, feel too great about how they how they did on the glass. So that's another concern heading into there. But yeah, I mean, I think 31, giving up 31 three-pointers in the first two games or something like that. It was just a, a quote that Archie had that came out about that, which, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, which is which is crazy. And and certainly there is a school of thought that, you know, three-point percentage that you give up is is not always a function of your defense. And so, again, we're early on, and, and who knows what will happen. Howard certainly made some tough ones and shot a ton of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a reason for a concern, just the lack of ability to sustain the energy that they came out with. Um, in, in the vast majority, you know, this is the worst team on the, on the schedule. And if you couldn't do that against them, uh, you, we, I feel like we talked about this so much last year, you're like, you can't just turn it on. You can't just say, all right, well, I didn't play defense well against, you know, this team because I knew we could, you know, score whenever we wanted to and, and whatever else, like you can't just turn that stuff on and, and no different than the turnovers, uh, a year ago, you couldn't just say all of a sudden, I'm not going to turn the ball over. So, uh, I, I think that's, that continues to be a concern. That particularly in the second half, if they can't contain the ball any better than that. That's such a big, uh, big part of the pack line is while while partly cutting off uh, drives, but also really pressuring the ball. And I thought they did a pretty poor job of that in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I just thought again, you know, we got up seventeen in the second half, and I just think we stopped competing at the same level. And you know, Archie's mentioned it's going to be a process to to learn how to play the way he wants to play for forty minutes, uh, and maybe it's part you know conditioning and part mental. Um, but either way, you know, I, I thought Archie, you know, called his team soft, mentally soft after the Indiana State game. You know, it was 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 very particular that it's not necessarily a physical thing, but just being able to dig in, um, you know, and 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 when when the other team starts making a, a couple plays, can you dig in and get some stops and do what you need to do? Um, you know, and, and I guess kind of to Indiana's credit, you know, there were points of time in the second half when, you know, Howard would get it to nine or 10 or 11 and Indiana would typically go make a play, uh, you know, more, more so on the offensive end than on the defensive end to kind of do that. Um, but I think the other thing, you know, to, to keep in mind really with any of the positives from tonight is, and this is something from Archie's press conference after the Indiana state game is like, look, you know, you can play in your exhibition games and kind of do some things and you cover up some flaws, because you're able to do some other things, but it's more fool's gold. And so I think that's, you know, that's kind of the thing to watch out for in a game like this. You know, what did we see tonight uh, that can really move forward? Like I thought Deron Davis in particular, some of the things that we saw him do, those are kind of, that, that to me is not fool's gold. Like that's stuff that we've seen him do before. And I think seeing him be assertive like that and kind of take charge in the second half, that was really good. You know, Justin Smith and Al Durham, you know, we've seen freshmen and young guys play really big in exhibition games or, or you know, against sub 300 Ken Palm teams. And it doesn't translate to better competition. I have no idea if this is, you know, if what we saw from them tonight is kind of fool's gold or if it's something that pretends good things for the future. We will see. Um, you know, what what do you, you know, Andy, do you take from tonight in terms of some of the good things that we saw what do you think is legitimate and what do you think is maybe a little bit of fool's gold just because of the opponent? I mean, I think, I think Durant's performance is, is legit. Uh, I think it was some of the same flashes that we saw from him a year ago uh, and hadn't really had a chance to see too much of uh, in the early going this year. But I think, um, I, I will say one of the things they seem to do, particularly early in the game, 
um, but but it was a little bit more consistent, was a, a concerted effort to find ways to get him the ball in the post. Um, and that's one thing we've, you know, lamented for a while of, you know, not being able to do that, not being able to do it often enough. And so I think that to me was a positive. Now, whether that part of it can continue, I don't know. But I think if he continues to get the ball that much, um, I do think he can produce and, and create opportunities for others. Uh, I, I'm I'm a believer in in the Al Durham uh, piece of things at this point. I mean, um, you know, given all the buzz around him from, you know, kind of what Archie was talking about really leading up to the season and what we've seen in two games, albeit against, um, you know, non-major conference competition, I think you can see what he likes about him and, and the pieces are there. Um, Justin Smith, I'm, I'm a little bit curious to see. I think we've all liked the athleticism and, and those kinds of things, but uh, I think he's he's about to enter a whole new world in terms of the amount of time that he's going to need to play uh, against the caliber of opponent that he's going to play on Wednesday. So uh, that one to me is there. So I, I don't know that there's a ton to hang your hat on that this team really is doing well uh, at this point of the, of the season. I will say getting to the free throw line has been good. Obviously, the, the percentage As we was expected. Not good. Yep. Uh, the percentage was not good tonight, but that's a um, that's a positive. Uh, and I think, um, you, you know, tonight, 25 assists on 33 made field goals is a is a positive sign. Um, I don't know. You know, that seems unsustainable, obviously, just because it's a, a pretty high rate. But I think that was something to like. Um, but I think a lot of that came from Deron Davis because, uh, you know, he may not have made the you know, the very first pass that, or the pass that made the shot, but, you know, the pass that led to the pass that led to the shot. Yeah. Um, I think there was, was a lot of that from him. But I think, but again, that all starts with him. Like he's the anchor inside. They've got to find ways to get him the ball, make the defense react to him, and then uh, let other guys play off of him and, and, and go from there. So I think there's a couple things that I, you know, positive things that I, I think you can hang your hat on, but, but definitely not a ton because there just hasn't been uh, a lot of consistency with too many of the players to this point. Coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 86-77 victory over Howard. We need to talk about a couple of the guards, Josh Newkirk and Devontae Green in particular. Uh, That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's unimpressive, uh, confounding, I suppose would be a few adjectives, uh, 86-77 victory over Howard. Andy, let's talk a little bit about Josh Newkirk. Uh, and it feels a little bit like deja vu all over again here. It's early season, and my Twitter feed is just getting bombarded with Josh Newkirk uh, tweets, people angry at Josh Newkirk uh, you know, for missing shots. I, I did see a comment from Archie that he's not going to tell Josh Newkirk to stop shooting because it's one of the best things that he does uh, and that the law of averages will come around for him. And I just want to say that I fully agree with Archie Miller on this. Uh, I don't think that Josh Newkirk had a particularly great night tonight. I know, you know, he finished with nine points. He did have seven assists, which is obviously good. Um, It just, you know, it wasn't a good shooting night for him. He was one of seven from downtown, you know, and I thought a couple of those weren't very good looks, but several of those were open looks. And I think, you know, one thing that we've learned about Josh, we certainly learned this last year. I know someone asked me on Twitter, like, when has he ever shot well? Well, you know, for a lot of the end of the season, like go back and look at the stats. I know he struggled early, but he really found a way to make shots later. And he's a guy who as a freshman at Pitt shot over 40% from three point range. He was somewhere around 
37, 38% last year, which is, you know, certainly passable for a three point percentage. And I think for an offense that is going to struggle to find things to hang its hat on, it could do a lot worse than Josh Newkirk taking open threes. And so if he gets those looks, he needs to take them again. The shot selection needs to be better. I thought his defense in the second half at times was atrocious. So that certainly has to get better. But in some ways, I thought this was a nice bounce back performance from him after the Indiana State game. Um, I soured on that some watching him play Matador defense in the second half. Um, but him shooting threes, it's just not something I'm that concerned about because I trust that he'll make those as the season goes along. Um, you know, again, maybe not at a Jordan Hulls clip, but it, you know, he's probably going to make him at a 38, 39% clip. And for a team that's going to struggle with outside shooting, they're going to need that. Um, so I agree with Archie uh, on that. What were your thoughts on Josh Newkirk tonight? Uh, I'm just uneven, which I mean, like you said, is, is deja vu around that. I mean, I thought he distributed the ball relatively well. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the shooting. Um, but at the same time, I mean, like you're, I mean, you're one of seven on the night. Uh, at some point, they're a guy who other he he clearly was a guy that they were willing to lay off of and and make him beat them, and he didn't do it. Uh, and I think, as, to your point, some of the shots are wide open, and you can't. But for the same reason we're saying Robert Johnson was hesitant to take shots, you can't then say like, well, you know, he he shouldn't. You know, we're we're getting on this guy for hesitating and. Um, then we, it's by the same token, like getting on Newkirk for taking the shot. So, um, there's a little bit of, of hypocrisy built into that, I think, but, um, some of them were not great. You know, there's at times you're open for a reason, but he certainly showed over the course of the end of last season that he can make those shots. So in that regard, I don't have a huge issue with it. I thought for me, the biggest issue I had was him defensively in the second half. I thought he was atrocious on that end of the floor. Um, well, and and you know and I think you just have to get more like effort and want to and uh, and give a crap out of a senior guard at that point uh, to try to show these other guys the way to go and I just that was probably more disappointing than the missed shots from from my perspective. Yeah, let's talk about Devonte Green, who again I thought showed some good offensive leadership early when nothing was working. He came out and scored you know seven points early. Uh, did not score again. Um, I thought the other positive from him is I thought. He was creative in making post entries to Deron Davis. You know, I, I think a lot of our guards can make a post entry pass if it's right there and kind of, you know, perfect and everything is set up. Devontae is, is pretty adept at dribbling himself into a position, even, you know, kind of, you know, putting spin on the ball to, to kind of get the pass there into Deron Davis, which, you know, sometimes uh, for a program that has struggled to get the ball into the post, that's kind of nice to see. Although, you know, you have to take some of the good with the bad there because he'll also try and force passes that aren't there. Uh, but I was actually, you know, outside of those positives, I was not impressed with Devontae's play tonight. Um, I thought he, again, tried to force some things. I thought defensively, you know, he ended up being in foul trouble, picked up four fouls. And I thought a big part of that is because he was just really not competing on the ball like we've seen him. Like we know that Devontae Green can can be a better perimeter defender than we saw tonight. But I thought a lot of times he would you know, maybe take a step or two down in a stance and then was too easy to just become straight legged and let his man get by him. And again, you know, when you do that, it throws everything out of whack and you got to be able to compete a little bit better, you know? And I thought some of, you know, just some of the body language things just, you know, again, he, he kind of looked like a sophomore, which is what he is. Um, but I think, you know, he's a guy that we all kind of felt we were going to 
be relying more on, especially when you saw what he you know did in that first exhibition game, which is part of the reason why I, I tried to exercise some caution there and remind everybody that he's been a guy who is very inconsistent. And even within games, he's been inconsistent. But I just i expect more out of him especially on the defensive end and i just thought tonight you know he didn't give it and he wasn't the only one a lot of the guards were like that but i just i didn't think that he played very well tonight um and indiana's indiana's gonna need more out of him because he can do things on the offensive end of the court that just not a lot of other guys can do but he's his head's got to be in the game and i just thought for portions of tonight's game i just i didn't think his head was really into it at least from what i saw you know from a thousand miles away on my couch so easy for me to say right yeah, I mean, I, I thought the one sequence in the second half where IU had, I think they'd scored on a couple of possessions in a row and and really had run some pretty good offense. And he came down just determined to uh, to take a shot, kind of went into traffic, took a, took a bad jumper. And I'm not even sure the ball had hit the rim yet before Archie had turned to find somebody on the bench to come in for him. Uh, and then he kind of compounds that on the other end by just, you know, really kind of not playing defense very well, gets a foul. It was almost like he wanted to get a foul because he knew he was going to go out. So just get it over with. And the, you know, kind of long walk to the, uh, you know, the icy look of Archie Miller, who I'm not even sure he said anything to him as he walked by, because I don't think anything needed to be said at that point. But no. um, yeah, I mean, I thought that sequence kind of summed up how outside of those first few minutes, I thought that sequence summed up his night pretty well. Um, all right. Where, where else do you want to go? I think another guy that we need to talk about here is Curtis Jones, who, again, we all kind of got excited about, saw some flashes, flashes from him in the exhibition season. But I thought tonight, you know, was kind of more the Curtis Jones from last year where, you know, he's essentially just a catch and shoot guy, um, you know, and, and had a, a couple of looks from downtown, made one of them, missed a couple of them. Um, you know, did have a couple of assists, but for the most part, offensively, every time he, he got the ball was just looking to pass it really quick, not really able to create anything, no driving uh, to the basket. And we kind of talked about him as a potential slasher. Um, and so I, I, to me, him kind of reverting back to last year's Curtis Jones was disappointing. Um, but I mean, look, I, I just, I think it's, it's, it's maybe it's too much to expect you know, Devontae Green and Curtis Jones to be consistent producers yet. Maybe we're still at the point where we're just going to have to take what we can get from them. Um, but hopefully as the season goes along, they can add a little bit more consistency. Because um, I, you know, as impressive as he was at times in, in exhibition play, you know, tonight, you know, left uh, plenty to be desired. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have too much to add. I don't know if it was the, you know, the fact they were running zone a little bit more and he just felt uncomfortable. I mean, all, the only three shots he took were all threes. Um, yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of my best guess at it. The, the other bench guy that we didn't talk about was Freddie McSwain, who I thought played pretty well again, uh, you know, four points, seven rebounds, you know, in, in just 12 minutes. So again, proving to be a guy who's really active Oh, for four from the free throw line. So he, uh, you know, he was not immune to what the rest of the team was from, from that part of the floor. But I think he continues to, you know, again, he's not going to wow you. Um, he's not a guy who I think is even, you know, you're going to slide in the starting lineup if, if Juwan Morgan is out or any of those kinds of things. But I do think, um, as you start to figure out like, all right, what do we know about this team going forward? Uh, you know, maybe that could have been another guy that I, I slipped into my answer to your prior question. Yeah. All right. You're listening to the assembly call. IU post game show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms, breaking down Indiana's victory over, Howard, we did get to see a little bit of Clifton Moore tonight, obviously, in, in part, I'm sure, because of the injury to Juwan Morgan. He was pressed into action. 
and I thought, you know, in the first half, I think Archie Miller had described him, you know, as a guy kind of playing on ice skates in the offseason. That's kind of what he looked like in the first half. I mean, it was just kind of tentative, you know, had a post feed go into him. It wasn't the greatest of passes, but kind of just went through his hands, looked a little bit, you know, awkward out there, was a little bit out of position on defense. Um, but I thought in the second half, you know, he he came in and, and, you know, he didn't score. But I thought the block shot that he had, and this was another one of those meaningful moments that you might have missed. You know, it was 65-55 at the time. It's a 10-point game, and Howard was driving uh, to, to the bucket, you know, to where it looked like they might score, make it an eight-point game, and now you've got a little bit of momentum, and it's just like, man, this is really happening against Howard. But Clifton Moore made a really nice block shot, went to the other end. Robert Johnson scored. Indiana goes up 12. And so it was a really nice four-point swing. So, you know, I don't think Clifton really got the opportunity uh, to flash any of the offensive potential that we know he has. Um, and only got in there for six minutes, but I thought the block shot in particular was uh, an important play at an important time. Uh, and just, you know, again, another example of a freshman stepping up big for Indiana at a time when they needed someone to make a play. Yeah, I mean, that was a that was a nice play. I think I, I walked away saying when maybe it's unfair because he's inherently going to be compared to uh, what we saw from Justin Smith and Al Durham tonight, but it just feels like he's a ways off from really being able to contribute on any kind of regular basis. But um the unfortunate reality of the the front court situation at this point is is that that isn't a luxury that Archie Miller has, so uh, he's going to get the chance to do that and and hopefully prove me wrong. But yeah, he just seemed like he uh, uh, just just seemed like it was going to take some time before he's really able to to produce something off the bench. So, as we kind of deal with now these the the first official eighty minutes of Archie Miller basketball. It certainly feels like we're going to have to be more patient than we thought. Um, I, I, I still stand by my opinion that come late January, come February, come March, this is going to be a tough team. Uh, you know, a, a team that no one's going to want to play. And Archie has shown that in his history that his teams get better. Now, obviously, he's playing with another coach's players and guys who are going to have to fully buy into the system where they clearly are not right now. Um, I think it's obvious after these first two games that we have to adjust some expectations. Um, don't ask me yet if I'm changing my pick for the Duke game. Let's just get there. Uh, but obviously, I don't have quite as much confidence in that pick after the first 80 minutes. I'm not insane. Um, but what what do you think is fair to expect? Because, I mean, you know, as I look at it right now, you know, I, I know that, you know, at times the guys look like I thought defensively in the second half, like at times it just looked like our guys' feet were stuck in the mud, like we looked slow. And I think part of that is, you know, you got guys learning a new system. They're probably thinking too much, um, you know, but then another part of it is, you know, do these guys really know how to compete on that end for 40 minutes because they haven't really had to do it. And so we're going to need to give them some adjustment time to play it the way Archie wants to play it. And so, you know, I'm trying to figure out like what is fair to expect uh, from this group right now here early in the season. And how much do we have to adjust expectations for the rest of the season based on what we've seen right now? Or is it just too soon to know? Probably a little bit too soon. I mean, we talked before about we just didn't really have a baseline on which to evaluate the team. And now we do. Um, that's a little scary, I think, at this point for, for most of us, if I, if, I speak, if I spoke for all of us. Um, but I also think that, you know, so that, that lets you get some idea of where they are. And I think, you know, do we start to see the stretches of, positive defense and that kind of activity level get a little bit longer and a little bit longer as, as we go through because it was there in spurts tonight um but but just not consistent enough 
and, and, and just not good enough for, for large parts of the game. So I think that's, um, you can start to do that. I think offensively, it's really hard to tell what, how, how things are really going to shake out there just from an identity standpoint. And I think we saw what it probably ought to be um, tonight with playing so much through Jerron Davis, whether this team can consistently do that or not remains to be seen. But uh, I think he probably has to be the focal point of, of the offense at this point and, and kind of let other guys play off of him, which uh, I think can be effective based on the players that they have and, um, and, and, and some of those kinds of things. They've also got to be able to find people who can consistently knock down shots on the outside, though, because if he's going to attract that much attention, they're going to get open looks from three. Uh, they didn't shoot well from three. Uh, on Friday night, and I don't think they did particularly well from a percentage standpoint, uh, even even tonight. So that's, I guess, 8 of 22. Um, so I guess that's a little bit better than I thought, but I don't know they need to be taking 22 of 61 Thank you, shots. Thank you, Al Durham. Anyway. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, you know some of those things. But, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit the other night. I think I likened it to like a default setting that some of these guys have, and they just kind of revert back to that in certain spots. And um, and I don't know if that's why you see the freshmen performing well, because they're not being reprogrammed in the same way that everybody else is. And they can just come in and, and do things. But you've got a lot of guys out there who you can look at them and feel like you watch them process every situation and try to figure out what to do instead of playing instinctively. And the net result of that is some really uneven play, because if they can process things fast enough and make the right decision, things can work out. It's um, a good but point. They just confident in themselves to a point where they can can consistently respond quickly to what's going on and you know that's a scary thing to think about with a veteran roster that you're not going to you're probably not going to get out of the veterans what you thought you were going to get uh and and maybe that's some some reason as to why but um you know there's no denying that Al Durham has looked like one of the better you know the best maybe two to three players on the team over the first couple games. And I have no idea if that's why, um, or if there's really something else going on, but there's a, uh, you know, that, that is, I think I'm buying your probably, hypothesis. I think I'm buying it. It's, it's both, it's both alarming and makes you feel a little bit good for the future that you have guys who are like kind of in on the ground floor, like figuring this stuff out and, and doing things on the fly. But it's, uh, you know, for the the prospects of this ski- season, it it rightfully should scare the crap out of everyone because, you know, one of the things we hung our hats on when we started talking about this season was, oh, we got a really veteran team and all those kinds of things, and and now I'm not sure that that means uh, that that carries the same positive connotation in a lot of ways that we probably thought that it did early on. Yep. All right. Coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls, look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Howard. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 86-77 to victory over Howard. Andy, it is time for our game balls. We will go to you first. Who gets your game ball tonight? Uh, I'm going to say Justin Smith. Um, I'm hoping you're you're thinking what I am, and maybe we'll split the vote on this because I think there's a couple guys that, that deserve it. Um, but I'm going to say Justin Smith. If for no other reason than he was really thrust into a role that he had no way to expect that he would be in coming into the game. And he really responded uh, without a hiccup at all as he went through. So um, a double double for anybody is a big night, but for a guy who, um, you know, came in five minutes into the game and ended up playing 
a huge chunk of the game when that certainly was in no way his expectation uh, or if he was going to play as many minutes as he did he was uh i i have to believe he assumed that it would have been because iu was winning by so much so yeah uh, to really step in on, he was uh, awesome man on he short really notice was. in 27 minutes and play that well i think uh gives him a lot of credit and again one of the guys who if you if you want to look for positive things uh for this season and for future seasons seeing him be able to step in and do that with um, not a ton of time in, in archie's system is uh is a pretty reassuring thing yeah, there have already been so many sentences that I have uttered uh, in these past four or five days that I never thought I would. But here's another one. Indiana might not have beaten Howard without Justin Smith. <laughs> not a sentence I thought I would utter. But no, <laughs> probably a no. true one. Uh, with apologies to Al Durham, uh, who I thought was terrific tonight, I have to give my game ball to Deron Davis. Uh, I mean, he was the go-to guy in the second half. He was the focal point of the offense. And I didn't even realize, I mean, Duran played 29 minutes. And this is a guy that, you know, last year, I think the most he played was 21, 22 minutes. Uh, and, and obviously, we know all about the conditioning and, and how hard he's worked to be able to play more minutes. And man, those were tough minutes there in the second half when a lot was being asked of him. Uh, and not only did he play 29 minutes, but he did not commit a personal foul. Uh, and so, you know, for him to, you know, to take those two weaknesses, conditioning and ability to stay on the court, from that perspective and from a personal foul perspective in a game when his team absolutely needed him on the court, I thought that really showed a lot of leadership by Deron Davis tonight. And then you add in, you know, being able to score 17 points on nine field goals. And obviously, you know, the free throw shooting was kind of a black mark on this game. Um, and, 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 you know, he wasn't great uh, uh, rebounding wise, but good enough, uh, you know, and then just some great passes out of the post. You know, Deron Davis was, it, it's, sometimes easy to get cute with these game balls and, you know, kind of, you know, you, you overlook sometimes the best player. Um, but tonight I, I thought it was pretty clear that Duran was the best player on the court in the second half and Indiana really needed him uh, to be that. And so he gets my, uh, my game ball for this game. Is that the other guy that you were thinking of was Duran? Uh, yeah. You would go with Al. No, I, no, I think Duran just because of, uh, as you said, how big a part of the, uh, of the game plan he really was and how much he, created for others was was there but yeah it's kind of funny to think about how well Duran played and he's probably the third choice but i thought yeah those i thought there was those three and then a pretty wide gap between them and anybody else yeah I'm like a really saying. wide gap between them and anybody else <laughs> yes i agree with you uh all right so let's take a quick look ahead to seton hall obviously it's another pretty quick turnaround indiana's got monday uh tuesday and then we play seton hall on wednesday at 6 30 eastern time uh, this is one of the four big non-conference games for Indiana. I think it's a one that, you know, a lot of reasonable people figured, you know, probably could be a loss simply because it's on the road and this is a top 25 team and they've got an All-America candidate. But the degree of difficulty just skyrockets through the roof if you don't have Colin Hartman and Jawan Morgan. Um, so we know that. But what what kind of opponent awaits Indiana on Wednesday? I mean, a really veteran team in terms of uh, experience. They've got. Uh, I think what four or five seniors uh, that are there. I think four seniors uh, and a junior in their rotation and, that that play uh, the bulk of their minutes. So they've won both their games. Uh, although only beat Monmouth by ten today. Uh, they've beaten Fairleigh Dickinson and in uh, Monmouth leading up to it. So both those games at home. But uh, yeah, I mean, just a, a veteran team. Delgado is the uh, headliner in terms of you know All American candidate. Pretty much a, a double double waiting to happen. So I'll be interested to see how uh, he and Duran. Uh, you know, square off against one another. He had 17 and 11 today. So uh, Justin Smith-esque numbers, some would say. Um, 
So they've got, you know, they've got him. Kadeem Carrington is a, is a really good guard. Did not shoot the ball well at all uh, in their game today against Monmouth. Missed all six of his three-pointers. Um, but he's a guy who's being asked to do a little bit more, uh, run the point a little bit more uh, this year than he has been in the past. And then uh, Miles Powell uh, led them in scoring today, at least with 18. So they've got a lot of different guys who can beat. Desi Rodriguez, another, another really good player um, that they've got who's a, a fairly consistent double figure scorer. So uh, not necessarily one guy that you can really hone in on. I think, um, you know, Carrington and Delgado, are probably the two biggest names to watch just because uh, they, they get most of the headlines. Carrington's going to have the ball in his hands uh, as much as anybody. And Delgado is going to be a big, uh, big force inside. So, you know, a team that probably not uh, most everybody's picking Villanova to win the big East and rightfully so, but I think Seton Hall is uh, firmly in the mix to finish uh, to finish second in that league and, and a top 25 caliber team who uh, who will be excited to host IU, I'm sure, and uh, probably licking their chops when they see you know IU coming in the way they played these first couple games. Yeah, and without two important players. Yep. Uh, all righty, last call is coming up next. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, Visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com. Promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. Christmas is coming up. It's a great place to get some Christmas gifts uh, for the uh, for the proud Hoosier on your list. All right, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. Andy, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. It is, is late there on the East Coast where you are. So uh, it is time for last call. What do you got? Well, it's been an interesting few days for <laughs> to see the season start. That's for sure. I think in in so many ways, not what we expected, hoped for, or or any of those kinds of things. But uh, you know, hopefully someday we'll look back at this as the first win of the Archie Miller era, and uh, and maybe view it as I can't believe things started there. Um, and and so you know, my hope is that that's the case. And and for as uh, concerning as a lot of the things have been for as frustrating as, as watching some of the, the veterans on the team uh, play the way that they have over the first couple games. I guess I'll choose to focus a little bit more on, on some of those bright spots we've seen from the younger guys in terms of the Al Durham's and Justin Smith's and, and Deron Davis's uh, in particular tonight who look team didn't play well. They were in a much tougher game against a, a bad opponent than they thought they would. But those three were really the ones who kind of put it on their shoulders and brought it home. Uh, and I think, you know, that's that's exciting that guys, uh, regardless of the opponent, are willing to do that uh, at, at such a young age and relatively inexperienced. In addition, you're inexperienced on a team of other guys who would be easy to defer uh, and let those guys, you know, take control of things and, and kind of ride or die with the, the other guys who were there. And I thought all three of those guys really stepped up and uh, and played well. And I think that bodes well for the future, whether that's whether the future that it bodes well for is this season or next. I don't really know yet at this point. It's uh, it's it's too, still too early to say, um, you know, just two games in. But uh, I think there was definitely some positive performances to see from them and some positive things in spurts from the team that really look like it came out, you know, determined to. Uh, you know, right the wrongs of Friday night in the first few minutes of the game. They just were unable to sustain it. So as we start looking forward to, you know, what's going to be a really tough game on Wednesday, things at times during that game, hopefully for not long, not for long stretches are not going to go their way. Uh, and it's really our first chance to really test how this team reacts and, um, you know, what they're going to try to do to be able to kind of shed that soft label that Archie put on them after Friday and, and rightfully so. So, um, I think that gives us something to look forward to, gives us something to look forward to, to see if the freshmen can build on this. And uh, ideally that the veteran guys are pushed a little bit by that and that they can uh, come back and, and step in. But 
Uh, we've certainly seen that Tom Green teams perform well as the underdog, and IU will be a a dramatic underdog, I would imagine, coming into Wednesday. So hopefully these guys can, uh, of the holdovers from the Tom Crean area, hopefully that mentality as the underdog is one that, uh, that stuck around a little bit. Yes. You know, and I think Brian made an interesting point in the chat, and this is important to remember as we all deal with the underwhelm from the first 80 minutes. But he said things can change in a season. We beat Kansas and North Carolina and then stunk last year. And maybe it's in reverse this year. Um, and again, I think most of us expected the struggles to happen early uh, and then for the team to get better. But I think what's been alarming is just the amount of the struggle and, and how certain guys have looked and how certain narratives that we had about how the season would go you know, how those have really kind of been blown open here early. And it's not that there isn't enough time to, to get that back. Robert Johnson still has plenty of time to have a great senior season and be the lead guard that we all want to see. And, and you know, Devontae Green can certainly, you know, become the cons consistent producer that we hoped he could, uh, you know, would be a role that he could step into. But through the first couple of games, we just haven't seen that. And, and so it probably does force us to, you know, adjust our expectations a little bit. Um you know, remember that we're just going to have to have a little bit more patience. And to a certain extent, maybe we should have been doing that all along because not only is it a coaching change and, and, and coaching changes, you know, even, you know, when you look at, you know, some great coaches who have taken over at programs where they have ended up being very successful. A lot of times the first few seasons, it's a bumpy ride and it's, it's not, you know, a real clean, clear transition until that coach has, you know, all of their recruits in and has had a few years to really build that foundation. And perhaps we didn't respect enough just how drastic the transition is from Tom Crean basketball to Archie Miller basketball and how different it is, you know, schematically and from a mentality aspect and just and all those things. So, you know, look, it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride. It's already been a bumpy first uh, first 80 minutes. Um but, you know, like you said, Andy, you see some signs, some things to uh, to grasp onto that are positives. And that's probably the thing to do right now is to focus on those, um, because I think, you know, all of us who, who have really paid attention to this closely feel like the program is in really good hands with Archie. Um, and it's just it's going to take some time, especially for the guys who are holdovers to transition into this new system. And we'll just have to be patient and uh, and keep hoping for the best. And hopefully Indiana can uh, can outperform expectations up there Wednesday night against Seton Hall, compete and give themselves a chance to win in the end. Uh, because if they can do that, I think that would be a real confidence builder. And, and I think to a certain extent, that is perhaps what it will take. And Archie has mentioned this, you know, now these guys are going to have to have success doing it this way to see it and believe it. And obviously they didn't have much success against Indiana state. And I don't know how successful they're going to feel about a nine point win over Howard when they probably expected it to be a 40 point win. So I think that's really the next big kind of mile marker for me to watch for is where's the first big moment of success, you know, where this team digs in on defense and it wins them a game and, and doing things Archie's way really gets them going because that could be a big turning point. And I know the odds are against Indiana doing it on Wednesday night, but that's the first opportunity for it to happen. And so obviously we will all be watching with great interest to see if Indiana can take advantage of that opportunity. And after the game, we'll be right here to break it all down for you on the postgame show. All right, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, 
Go to assemblycall.com slash join for our free email newsletter, which includes our Six Banner Sunday news roundups and our post-game analysis email, which I'm going to go right right now as soon as we close this up. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again on Wednesday night for IU Seton Hall, post-game show for that game. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Avoid upfront fees that cripple businesses with IBM Cloud. Bare Metal on IBM Cloud rents out dedicated servers by the hour or month. Customize over 11 million different configurations. Deploy on demand. Get unlimited inbound bandwidth, plus 24-7 support and 20 terabytes of outbound bandwidth cost-free. And when's the last time you checked IBM Cloud bare metal prices? They're now more comparable than ever. The better bare metal is IBM Cloud. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers today and see for yourself.